Welcome to the post-game show brought to you by Flight, uh, Yingling, the next generation of uh, light beer. Uh, Rod Babers, I tell you what, if uh, can we see a starting quarterback anytime soon? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, right now, uh, running on a string of no uh, no first-string starters. Uh, I guess it's three three weeks in a row now. The backup, this one was more of a surprise than the previous two. We had no clue until about 30 minutes before game time uh, that uh, Jalen Daniels would be sidelined with a back injury, according to uh, ABC. Uh, Rod, uh, that being said, this game was an interesting game because Texas let, uh, let Kansas hang around. Yeah, I believe the old uh, phrase is, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I don't even know exactly what the origin is. I'm just going to throw it out there. But I believe that's a, hey, the Longhorns have faced a backup quarterback last three weeks. I remember TCU was knocking out starting quarterbacks last year at an unprecedented rate. Um, and that seemed like something that was just uncanny. And now the Longhorns facing all the backup quarterbacks. So not the test we thought it would be. For the Texas defense, not the test we thought, but it still it was a test in some ways. The option, right? We learned the option is something that could be vulnerable, a vulnerability for the Texas defense, most most mostly because they hadn't seen it, right? And and they hadn't seen a lot of teams to kind of run that type of option with a dual threat quarterback. Uh, so the Longhorns had some issues with it, but for the most part, man, they, the Longhorns they are who I thought they were, and that is a second half team. That's who they are this year. I know Longhorn fans, I know a lot of y'all are uncomfortable with this. They are a really good team. There's a team that's good. They could be great. But they're not going to dominate every game from start to finish. Nope. And I think they're just a team. And by the way, this is what we all, I think, asked for, wanted, that we pleaded for Sark to fix. And remedy, like turn this team into a team that can be a second half team that can win games in the second half, win games when it matters in the fourth quarter, not look good and look aesthetically pleasing in the first half of games. And that's what they are. So I will admit it's not necessarily, like I said, a dominant team from start to finish, but they in the second half, man, when they turn it on, they look as impressive as any team in the country when they turn it on for those, I don't know, maybe 10 to 12 minutes. <laughs> but when they do, that's when they pull away. And they Boy, I, I thought they played an extremely good second half. Other than oh. that one deep ball, they gave up. Yeah. Uh, the defense really buckled down. They gave Jason Bean nothing. I mean, look at, look at the third down conversions, guys. Uh, that was the first thing I wanted to say, Bobby. Go for it. Go for it. Kansas, and you know Sark's going to hit on this immediately or early in his press conference. Kansas was number one in America in third down conversions coming in. They left 0 for 8. Now, they wouldn't have left 0 for 8 if Jalen Daniels had played, but you got to you just play with who's there. And by the way, I'm going to predict Dylan Gabriel falls down the stairs and rolls his ankle at some time. <laughs> the luck Texas is getting at the quarterback position. Exactly. I'm going to go ahead and rule Dylan Gabriel out now. All right, Come let's on. talk about the backup the rest of the week. <laughs> wow. wow. I, I tell you what, um, look, a Baylor right now apparently driving on uh, UCF. Baylor at one time in this game was down 35 to 10. Yes. It is now 35-33 against UCF in uh in uh, Orlando. Wow. Blake Shapin is back playing and he is uh leading oh, a heck of a return right now. 
Did he start the game? He did. Uh, I don't know that. I he was started. He's the, the only quarterback that's played today. Okay. Hey, 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 here's the here's the thing, right? There's always I said it on the fourth quarter with Aaron. While this why this part of why this season's going so great for Sark right now, he's five and zero and he can coach still. They didn't go out and win fifty five nothing and play perfect football today, right? He's able to coach after every win, and they've still beat Bama, and they still won at Baylor, and they still beat Kansas at home. So it's going really well from a coaching standpoint. The worst thing can happen is you just blow everybody out and you don't know what to say. Good job, guys. Let's go get ready for Oklahoma. It's going to be a big one. I mean, you you have coaching points. Uh, all right, snapper. Got to get the ball down. Got to get the ball up. On field goals, we're not helping our kicker. He's a little shaky. Snaps weren't great. Um, you know, Keaton Crawford, we have to play with our eyes at some point. You've been here since 1998. Okay, you can't play safety without eyes. Um, and and – by the way, apparently Shapin just got smoked. By the way, Broad, uh, look, at some point, do Blake and PK have to say, all right, man, Keaton plays hard. He's a good player, but he just doesn't have the eyes for this position, and it could get, lose us a game at some point, maybe at TCU, because he doesn't have eyes for safety. Yeah, no, the eyes are – Coach Aquino would always say, eyes go – hey, man, your feet go where your eyes go. Yeah. So if your eyes are in a bad place, your feet are going to be in a, be in a bad place too. Now, Cappy's in the run game and the passing game. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty clear that they went after Keaton Crawford a little bit. They went after a lot of guys, actually. We can yeah. get into that, but that's something that Kansas – this is why it's interesting to kind of watch the process and the journey for Texas and watching them grow. Uh, you know, they – I love the adjustments that are being made too, the chess match within the game. And you can see Texas making the adjustments. But early on, Kansas was able to figure out troubleshooting. I think I – I described Texas as uh, Kansas offense as you know they're a virus. They're trying to hack your defense. That's why they throw so many different uh, combinations of concepts and personnel groupings and stuff at you. And when they find something that works, they really can't exploit it. It's up to you to adjust. For Texas, that was the option, and Texas hadn't seen it. It was tough for Texas early on. Texas made the adjustment. Once they made the adjustment, Kansas really did not have a counter at all. I want to I want to give you all some updates real quick. JT Sanders out with an ankle. Uh, uh, Ryan Watts out. I do not know the injury, but y'all didn't see him after giving up that long, that long pass play or where he, he almost got beat over the top. I did see that. Uh, he did not come back and did not return. Uh, we do not know, Andrew, the injury of that, uh, but those two uh, things happened. Uh, Jonathan Brooks tweaked an ankle uh, about in the third quarter. I mean, I, I think he tripped over a blade of grass or something because he wasn't getting stopped by <laughs> Kansas's defense. Uh, but he tweaked an ankle but came back later, said Baxter finished the game strong. Uh, uh, Texas is relatively healthy going into to OU, it looks like, uh, with the exception of Ryan Watts and JT Sanders. And JT Sanders, yeah. that was a big one for the Longhorns. Well, I think I think Sanders will be good next week because he was jumping, trying to move. He just could like, that wasn't something that said, okay, this guy's done for a month, right? This is a good spot. Get him well. Let him go next week. You have the off week. You might have two off weeks. U of H is terrible. So if you needed to sit him an extra game, you could. I'm not underrating opponents, but if U of H beats Texas, I think everybody's going to be drinking on this uh, post game in three weeks. Okay. Um, by Yingling, by the way. Yeah, yeah Yingling. Yes. Send them. Um, but I think Sanders will be good to go next week. Watts will be interesting. But uh, look, Manny Muhammad's played a lot of football. Um, he really is. Hey, what will be interesting to me, guys, Rod, is – 
if Watts is out, I mean, obviously then Terrence Brooks become boundary corner with Malik Muhammad. Yeah. You then see some of Jade Barron at some field with Gavin Holmes possible. Uh, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do there if Watts is out for an extended period of time. Yeah, the best thing about it is you do have options, right? You you have the rotation of corners. You talked about it. You got Malik Muhammad, who's a young corner. You got Gavin Holmes, who you like. But also, if you throw out Jade Barron, I mean, you can put. I think you can put Jade Barron in field or boundary. I really do trust him that much. Um, and then you could put someone that's at nickel, who you trust at nickel, depending on how you like those guys. So I I really do think at at in the secondary right now, um, depending on how they want to move things around, who's being exploited, they got some options with these young guys coming in and playing. And I'll give them props for the rotation. We were some guys, you know, were some people were critical of the rotation of guys, but that's why you give them playing times. So you can kind of figure out exactly who's going to be playing what roles in your secondary now. Hell, I think Jalen Catalan, I got to go back and look. I just thought, and maybe he just stands out when he plays. I thought he played more in his oh, Yeah. And came with a vengeance too, by Maybe. the way. Well, well see, I mean, that, that's one of the things you kind of wonder about. You, I don't, I don't think you would, but you could, you could always almost play him as a nickel and roll Baron out to a field corner. You have some versatility if you want to do yeah. it. Um, hey, I, I thought one of the uh, other interesting things today. Um, it was so important for Texas. One of the things I like about the Brooks Baxter combination, they're both patient. And they both are look impatient was important today because once DJ Campbell got his angry hands on people, he was turning guys. How many runs went off his butt? But it was slower developing runs where you were a little bit patient, a little bit patient, and so you're just hitting it and going. I think Texas has two really good patient running backs, and that lined up well today. Hey guys, let's go over the stats if y'all don't mind. Yeah, uh, you, you already do that. Uh, Six hundred and sixty-one wow. total yards, Rod and Jerry. What a performance for the Texas offense! Uh, they were consistent. I, I want to say a couple things. One, uh, wow. the first Come touchdown was on a third-down run by Quinn Ewers. Yeah. The second touch, uh, second touchdown of the game for Texas was that that was actually set up by a third-down run to start the third quarter that Quinn Ewers converted. Then Texas win. Uh, Jonathan uh, Brooks broke the long run. Quinn Ewers is starting to use his feet. Uh, he did have one interception through one touchdown, uh, ran for two, and then also threw a pick. Uh, passing yards, 325 yards total. Uh, he was 15, I believe, 25 or 35. Yeah. Is that correct? And then also, uh, you look at the, the, the uh, rush yards, 336 yards rushing. Uh, that is just a, a whale of a game. Nine of 15 on third downs for Texas. Two of two on fourth downs. Uh, Texas averaged 6.6 yards per rush. Uh, Jason Bean, on the other hand, for the K- KU Jayhawks, just not the guy, same guy as Jalen Daniels at quarterback. Um, I'm interested. I can't believe they only rushed for 124 yards, what? Rod and Jerry. Yeah, I said, I said three plays. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said this in the fourth quarter to Aaron. Uh, take away the two option. Exactly. You're going to try to hit him early on option. Texas hadn't seen it. They went right after Benda, right? But what was that? Forty was that sixty yards on the two option runs, essentially. Pretty much. I mean, so they had two sixty yards on those two plays, fifty-eight yard touchdown through the air. So when Kansas had two hundred and fifteen yards in the fourth quarter, at some point in the fourth quarter, when Aaron and I were talking. Mm-hmm. You know, look, 60 of that, 65 came on two runs in the option game. 
And one was a 58-yard bomb where Keaton Crawford was flat-footed and just I don't know what his eyes were doing, but they weren't playing yeah. safety. So, I mean, three plays. But the other thing that's crazy to me looking at the stats, Bobby, so you had the late hit on Anthony Hill. You had the offsides on Ethan Burke. I don't remember what the other – I know one was an offensive penalty, was a hold, but 86 offensive snaps, two penalties, maybe one or two penalties on offense is an amazing number in 86 snaps, guys. One or two offensive penalties. I, 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 I will say this. Hey, Rod, give us give us your thoughts. I mean, look, the score is not necessarily indicative of how well Texas moved the ball against Kansas today. Is Kansas was just Kansas outmanned up the middle? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, every were. time Texas went to that zone, inside zone play, I mean, Jonathan Brooks looked like he just waited to find a hole and then gone went. I mean, it was, yeah. it was beautiful. No, I would like to see how many times, how many snaps they played their Big 12 personnel with the extra, Malik Agbo, the extra offensive lineman out there. Uh, we saw a lot of the 21 personnel. And, of course, we saw 12, one back, two tight ends, which is before JT Sanders got hurt. I think you even, you know, obviously you saw even more of that. I mean, I, I bet they were more heavy today uh, than usual versus Kansas. They wanted to play bully ball after a certain, uh, at a certain point, and they were confident they could do it versus Kansas. And I think that's what it came down to. That's why you saw them be able to run the football with, you know, pretty much with ease. Uh, what did Jonathan Brooks average with over, over 10 yards per carry? So, something he, he was on his way to having a record day. I, 10.4, Rod. 10.4. He had yeah. Jonathan Brooks. They shut him down. Uh, 21, 21 for 218, Rod. Come on, man. 21 for 218, a long of 67, two scores, you know what? He was the offensive player of the game, no doubt. Good for you, brother. <laughs> I, I, I've got something to say about this. I thought Quim yours matured a little bit today. He had the bad interception before half, and he didn't come out and rest. Yeah, he come out and play poorly in the second half or the third quarter. He got it, got back in, and got back after it a little bit. Right? What do yeah. you you agree with that, Rod and Jerry? I agree. Yeah, no, I, I thought, look, I mean, even the interception at the end of the half, I mean, I know from the TV view and from the stands view, it's an easy to make another throw, but he did have pressure in his face unexpectedly there, right? And he probably didn't have time to really look left or realize left. It's the first interception of the year, but here's the thing. I go back to what Coach Irwin said, and I think he was spot on, and I think we've all seen it over the years with Quinn. I saw it in high school. If you can get him throwing the ball in the intermediate game for in between the hash marks, he is a stud. I mean, he is really good throwing the ball in the middle of the field in that 12 to 25-yard range. I mean, he's as good as you'll see um, throwing the ball there over the middle. Uh, you see, what are we seeing less of? Deep, Less deep shots right mm -hmm. side down the field. Mm -hmm. That's his weakness. I think Sark finally said, all right. I'm done. Yeah, That's not his strength. I have to play to his strength. It's deep balls left. It's deep ball middles. Um, so a deep ball middle. And I, I thought that um, we had a couple of recruiting questions today. Somebody asked the recruits uh, reaction. I, I don't know the reaction yet. They're reacting in the uh, locker room right now with the players. Um, I, Solomon, Solomon Williams texted me. He was there. His mom was there. DeAndre Carter was there. Uh, uh, official visit. Those two guys were official visitors. Colin Simmons was there. Jordan Johnson, Bell, a lot of those guys, a lot of 2025. Zion Williams from Lufkin uh, did not. He's under the weather, didn't play last night. He did not uh, make it in. 
I don't think DeCorian Moore was there uh, because he didn't ride down with uh, Jordan Johnson Bell, but we'll have to see. Uh, Texas will have a lot of guys at the Cotton Bowl next week for OU. By the way, that should be college game day, and we're going to have a lot of fun up in Dallas Friday, guys. Uh, OU. Is Texas out for Weston Davis? If something happens there, it'll be later in November, December. Um, OU uh, and uh, Texas uh, play next week, obviously. This takes Texas 5-0. and uh, OU playing tonight against Iowa State. That game will be, I think, at 6 on FS1. Uh, yep. And, yes, I will be watching it, just so you know. I, I'm sure everybody else will be as well. Uh, this uh, is the postgame show brought to you by the folks at Flight, uh, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. I also want to thank Faust Distributing. Uh, there's uh, one of a, a friend of mine and uh, a good, uh, good uh, Longhorn people. Uh, they all also helped uh, sponsor the Texas One Fund uh, tailgate today that they had out at DKR uh, as well that so many people I know texted me and went to. And so that's that's great stuff. Hey, uh, Rod and Jerry, let's take some questions from the crowd. Let's talk a little bit about what we saw in the game. Um Texas did not punt in this game. Huh, I know. In the that's first crazy. half, in the first half, guys, they had 13 points to show for it. And that was because one interception, a missed field goal, and then two field goals, despite really dominating the game. They ended up with 39 minutes time of possession, Texas did. That's by far the most I remember from a, t- a Steve Sarkeesian team. They just kept it on the ground and kept running up the middle and, and kept it going. One point at the fourth quarter, like when I was on the uh, watch with us, Kansas had 14 minutes and 53 seconds of possession. In the midway, fourth quarter. Midway through the fourth quarter. I mean, that that was an amazing number I was looking at right there. I was like, wow. Uh, people are saying Colin Simmons made the right decision. Yes, LSU's having defensive issues uh, against Ole Miss right now after Alabama controlled Ole Miss, by the way. If you're going to the game uh... – going into the contest between Texas and Kansas. Kansas actually, they were 121st in the country in plays per minute. Texas yeah. around 45th. So Texas slowed it down in this game versus Kansas. Uh, and, and Bradley, Kansas, usually they're the ones that try to slow it down and have long, sustained drives. Texas did that, kind of beat Texas at beat Kansas at their own game. Uh, the, other th- the other thing I noticed, guys, um, the, if there was one thing I took away and said, okay – I hope it doesn't become an issue a little bit. Texas front four did not get much pressure today until Kansas, even though they'd only had 33 snaps. At the end of the third quarter, Kansas offensive line started to look a little tired, right? They threw Bledsoe in there, and he was like shot out of a cannon. (laughs) Um, But the Texas front did not get pressure like they had been getting pressure. I think they were on their heels playing run, run, run. I I think they were a little bit. That's just the bottom line. I mean, they, they had to. Uh, Rod, I, I want to get your, your take on, on uh, the Texas uh, offense today. Uh, what do you do when a guy like Quinn Ewers is kind of just dialing it up a little bit? Because when he stepped into it, I mean, the ball was on target, dude. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, that's hard. Those, curl, those deep curls uh, to uh, Xavier Worthy. Worthy, yeah. A, A.D. Mitchell really yeah. had a nice game. Came out with the first three catches of the game. Yeah. What did you think of the Texas throwing game, the passing game today? Yeah, and usually, and, it, it, you know, Jerry, we talked about this, too, in uh, the QB room a little bit and how at home you wanted to get Texas offense going quickly. Right, We hadn't had that game where they kind of start out hot at home yet, and that's all about Quinn Ewers getting him hot at home and getting him in a groove. I thought he was actually in the groove early 
Um, it was just the red zone and where Texas had had most of their issues. Usually Texas scores off a lot of explosive plays. Give Kansas credit too. They didn't let Texas score on some of those explosive plays, forced them to get it the hard way in the red zone. And I even talked about this with Ian in the in-game live watch. There's something comforting about the red zone uh, these days in the spatial Darwinism uh, era of football where, hey, man, everybody's trying to get you as a defensive coordinator to defend more space with fewer defenders. And in the red zone, you ain't got to do that, right? You got less space. And it feels like you almost have more defenders. Um, and I think Texas ran into that today. But with Quinn Ewers, I agree with Jerry, man. He's in the zone when he's in the short intermediate. When his, when his internal clock is sped up, that's when he's at his best because he gets the ball out quickly and on time. I think that's why they're running more empty. You said what you're yeah. empty ball running now? Yeah. I think the point, the point of empty for your quarterback is to get his internal clock sped up. They know, like, all right, I got to get the ball out. I got to get it out on time. That's Quinn at his best. When Quinn's holding the ball, you know, I don't – that's – he's not at his – I think the the productivity or his efficiency as a quarterback, it, it deteriorates the longer he holds on to the ball. And you want the ball out with him really quickly. And I think when Sark – when Sark's dialing up the plays for him and game planning for his strengths, that's what he's doing. And I think it's back to what Jerry talked about, which is short to intermediate, all right, and not those deep, you know, concepts downfield for him or developing concepts in the passing game. Yeah, I, look, I, I agree with you. Could not agree with you more. Um, hey, comment this one, in, and I agree with this. This one's from TJ Days. Uh, missed field goals could have hurt us today. Burt Auburn is not having a great year right now. No, he's not. He's he's missed, he, he missed him left. He missed him right. Yeah, it, it, 50 yarder was left, the little win, but still. Um, but here's the thing. This is two games in a row where last week it was, oh, man, fumble punts could have hurt us in a close game. This week it's field goals could have hurt us in a close game. They hadn't been close games. <laughs> so, I mean, I agree. If, if, if I know this. If Oklahoma's up 35-33 and Bird Auburn trots up for a 45-yarder next week, people are going to be grabbing each other's shoulders saying, uh-oh. <laughs> Look at Ron. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. No, I don't know. I, would, I don't know what to – see, because – we haven't been here in a while, right? Where the Longhorns are that's really right. Good. Oh, yeah, we Longhorns don't know what this is like, Rod. And I don't want to be the fan that's being nitpicky and being negative now. Like, well, Texas gave up the deep ball. Well, what about what about that option play? I'm like, I know they're good, so I want to focus on the op, the good and to be optimistic. That they're, but I'm with you. That, that could come back to haunt them. And I don't want to be that fan that's constantly. I want to enjoy this journey. I want to enjoy this. Listen, I got a newborn in the house. I tell my wife, let's enjoy this journey. Let's let's crack some jokes when we're up at three in the morning and we're changing a, a, a diaper with a blowout. Let's come on, let's enjoy it now. Let's I don't want to be negative the Ron's whole time. gonna enjoy a lot of blowouts this season. <laughs> <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> so that's so that's how I'm as a fan. I'm like, I don't want to be negative. I, I do want to be positive here, but there are some there are some critiques. That and I agree with Jerry. Just like Jerry said, that's the that's the best thing about this experience is that the coaches can go back on on Monday or go back on Sunday, watch the film, and go, guys, look at this. We have so much room to get better. We we could be so much better than we were on on Saturday, and we won by I don't know twenty something points, whatever it was, right? But I, so, but I do think it's important to point out because the kicker, like the quarterback, takes all the the crap, right? Yeah, the snaps have to be better. Anything that throws off timing 
affects kickers, guys. I mean, uh, these guys aren't, everybody's not an NFL kicker. This is not Phil Dawson. This is not Justin Tucker. Nobody's ever said this is that level kicker. Any snap, high snap, low snap, it doesn't take much to throw off kickers. But I'll tell you what would be the best NIL idea of all time. I may have just come up with it. <laughs> Quinn gives Burt a buzz cut before OU this week. <laughs> I cut my it when it wasn't going great, and I'm going to cut yours. No. That's not bad. I like that. Who, they who, could be who like got a barbershop? Have barbershop? Much left. Yeah. 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 I've got I've got the automatic buzz cut because I'm losing it all, right? <laughs> uh, hey, guys, uh, here's some uh, super chats. UT boy, woodshed, Bobby, woodshed. I agree, but here, here's what I will say to that, guys. If there weren't people somewhere around the third quarter a little scared when Burt Auburn missed that ball wide right and it was 20 to 14, I think there were some worried Longhorns in, in the stands at that point. Uh, by the way, UT boy, Jontae Cook with a nice play. Big time. Hey, I saw big, that. Big Ooh, catch. Nice. Yeah, and contested a little bit of a contested catch, too. He I thought good. A.D. Mitchell, I, no drops from the receivers today, right? Anybody remember no, one? No, you're right. I, I can't no. remember one. Yeah, right. uh, no drops. Uh, look, Texas is doing, a, doing pretty good right now on offense. 661 yards. I don't know what else you want to say, guys. Um, I mean, good gosh. And, and I'll say this. During during the in-game live watch, my e. Hogan, e. Hogan did a great job. Hey, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I, I, I even said, I was cocky and arrogant. I said, and it was close then. I mean, second quarter, I mean, it was close. I'm sure some low-point fans were stressing. Guys, I think they're just a second-half team. And we're just not used to it. We just haven't seen it in forever. It just hasn't it's been so so long since that routine that that they're basically it's a it's a fight, right? It's a boxing why, match. Why do you think that though? That I, I I'm not disagreeing. Can you can you label why? Because this is this is not something we've really gone in, in depth with. Why do you think they're a, a second half team, Rod? Just because I, the proof is in the pudding, or what? I, I think I think because Sark has emphasized it. I think it's, he's emphasized it. I think he's he's and I I, said, I go back to I got to go find the JT Sanders quote, and I will because now I'm all about it. Where he says to speaking to the media, he said, "We know that people think that we're, we we don't finish games in the second half." And I thought to myself, "Damn, if he's saying that to the media." Man, that must be really going around like that must be the guys talking about it. That means they're they're you know they're either the coaches are talking about it, the coaches are you know injecting that message in the locker room, or the players themselves are saying, Hey man, we gotta improve in the second half. I think that's a big part of it. Sark always talks about you get what you emphasize. I think they've emphasized we gotta finish strong. I think Sark has fit has, has emphasized as well. He as a play caller has to finish stronger, he has to adjust better, that he has to have better countermeasures. And I've seen that. I've seen the adjustments that are much better by Sarkin. It's not always, hey, throw the deep ball. There was a deep ball, actually. I think on the first drive of the second half, I believe he threw a deep ball. Remember this? So A.D. Mitchell? Second, yeah, it was a second play of the first drive. I thought to myself, okay, I wonder. Here we go. I wonder if he's going to start, you know, hey, man. my Because last year, that was one of his adjustments that, you know what, I'm going to keep throwing the deep ball until it works. And he didn't do that. He just decided, no, man, the running game. We'll just pound the rock. We got bigger, better personnel. That's what we'll do. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see him evolve as a play caller. And I think the leadership on the team is starting to assert itself in the second half. These guys don't seem stressed out or worried when the game is close, too. 
in going into the second half because they know that, you know what, all right, it's time to turn it on. And in four of the five games this year, that's how they won. They won all they four. That's who they are, guys. That's this is who they are. They're a second half team. I also, th- I, I, here's the thing. I agree. I think the recruiting plays a part in this. And here's why I say that. First, we had a question: Who's the best team in the country? Michigan's my number one team right now, no doubt about it. Um, but um, Ryan Nelson asked that. Michigan's my team right now. Um, here's the thing, though. This is why you recruit large humans. Look, Georgia doesn't come out and blow everybody out. They wear you down. Some of Nick's teams before he got four first-rounders at wideout would wear you down. You they, you don't look worn down in the first quarter and first quarter and a half of the game. You start to look worn down midway through the third. And this is why you recruit 340-pound offensive linemen and have eight defensive line guys that rotate in that are all legitimate Power 5 football players. Because our fresher big guys are going to beat up on your guys over the course of a game. We've watched Georgia. We've watched Nick do it for years. We've watched Georgia do it with Kirby. This is what Sark and those guys are building to as a team, uh, in my opinion, from a recruiting standpoint. Love Good it. stuff. Texas as a as a uh, guys. Texas as a second half team and a five and O team. Let's uh, <laughs> let's be clear. That's a big and, and, rank, and rank two or three in America. Georgia will probably stay two because they got to pick six late in the game. But I mean, look, Texas is going to be three. Yeah. Well, Red River. Here we go. Damn right. Well, let's get ready, guys. I'm ready now. That's what it's supposed to be about, though. This is what Texas OU is always supposed to be about. National title implications. You You know what, Rod? I'm a a perennial worrier about teams, and I try to find out where Texas might lose a game. And really, I I try to go that, and sometimes I convince myself of it, right? (laughs) What's interesting, though, and I want to say this, I never, ever worry going into OU. Hmm. It's it's a weird phenomenon Hmm. for me. Because you, because you know you just throw it out and play the game. Probably. That's probably you know, it. You know the most talented team hasn't always won. No. One year's the best team doesn't win. Mm-mm. I mean, and look, Rod was on more talented teams than Oklahoma. Yeah, it didn't matter. We still <laughs> no, so, we got our coach. Really, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it for a week. We'll be at Terry Black's Barbecue Friday and come talk, come talk about it with us. But – that's one game where you're like, we can, we're gonna have fun talking about it. But once the game starts, you, if you've watched it your whole life, you just know. I mean, yeah, good totally stuff, guys. All right, I hey, this that. one, Bobby, worry about a game. He's bringing that up. Hey, this is from Aloha Traveler, guys. Hey, fellas, any concerns about Quinn and his confidence heading into OU? What do you think of this pass, this passing game overall right now? I think it looks pretty darn great. Right now, uh, uh, are, are we talking about being overconfident? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he say. I thought he played maybe as I know he had the pick, but boy, coming off of Baylor, I thought he may have had another just he's, he's stringing together good games right now, guys. That's yeah. not the Quinn we saw last year ever, right? He had he had quarters that he was different than he was. He, he had the first quarter, a good first quarter, and bad second quarter. I mean. He's stringing together multiple plays. He's using his feet better than ever, Rod and, and Jerry. Uh, and uh, look, I mean, I, I think the best pass of the game for him, I'd, I'd love y'all's thought on this. It was third. You remember when Jake Major snapped the ball over Quinn's head? Yeah. yeah. Made it second and 25, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Then they threw uh, a, a slip screen 
to Gunnar Helm that kind of got it looked like it got deflected by the by the uh, defensive end. He he then went into third and twenty five, escaped left. I remember it. threw his yeah. back, threw the ball against the grain to Ad Mitchell catching it to the thirty yard line was not a first down. first down. No, but it gave Bert Auburn a shot at a forty seven yard field goal that he should have made. Right, otherwise that's a punt. And no no chance at points. I thought that may have been Quinn's best play of the entire game. I I, I really do. Um, so I don't know if he's a I don't know uh if you can be I think you should be confident right now because he's playing like it. I will, no. I will say this OU's gonna bring the house. They're gonna try to they're gonna try to get after Quinn Ewers. So the, the maturity you're talking about is taking what the defense is giving you. Just take it, take it with the defense, and he does that like a lot now. And honestly, the scrambling is a great example, probably the best example of it. It's like, if they're going to give you green grass and they're not going to respect your athleticism at all and and turn their backs to you and basically say that you don't matter as a runner and you got the ball in your hands, Quinn, take it. Just take it. Just take the free yardage. And he's taking – now you have teams who literally have to now game plan, all right, damn it, on this play, if it's third and third and eight or third and nine – you know, we, we, you, may, you may need to key in on Quinn. You got to key Quinn a little bit to make, or you got to be more disciplined in your pass rush lanes with Quinn Ewers. He's, now he's making that a factor. I think that's the best example of, I'll take what the defense is giving me. If you do that enough, the big plays will come. You ain't got to search for them. You ain't got to hunt for them. I got you. And by the way, OU, they may bring, they, try, they may try to bring the house. Uh, Rod will have the stats for a Quinn as men be- beating the blitz by midweek. I guarantee you this, but <laughs> it's scarier to bring the house the way Texas is running the football. In my opinion, it's yeah. easier to bring the house when you're stopping when a team doesn't run it well. And and based on I haven't looked at the numbers for this you know most recently, but based on my research, Quinn's better versus the blitz. Usually, it cleans things up for him. He has to get it out. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah, when his internal clock is going fast, he's, it cleans it up and it's, it speeds up his clock and it cleans up the picture for him. So he knows exactly where to go with the football usually. Hey, by the way, we've had some questions asking about recruits' reaction to the game. Look, this game just ended. I mean, no, I, I, we can tell you who was there, but as far as reactions from kids, nothing yet. They're still in the locker room with the team getting the recruiting spiel right now. Hey, guys, I've got a couple of questions here from Jay, the activist. Why is it Baxter can't break big runs? His vision. And uh, then also from Jay, can Will Stone take over from Burt Auburn? I don't, I don't, I don't think Baxter's struggling with this. I just think the guy he hasn't played 100 percent this year. I mean, we, we passed the first big run against Rice, but I'll tell you what, that one-handed catch on the screen and then breaking that tackle was uber impressive for a freshman running back. Now, on, I think on that, third down, yeah, on third down, I think Baxter's playing really well. Yeah, I, I have no problem with him. Um, hey, this is a good question, Rod. I want you to address this one, okay? Daniel P. Texas has actually been dominant in every game this season, right? A little bit of sloppiness seems to be the only reason the scores haven't always affected the true level of play. I mean, they've won every game by double digits, including yeah, Alabama. It, it's been spurts, right? It, it's been spurts of dominance. You go look at the Bama game, there's like a – a six-minute spurt where they score 21 points, they pull away. Uh, Wyoming was very similar. It was like an eight, six to eight-minute spurt. They score 21 points, they pull away. Rice, same thing. It's almost like they're the Golden State Warriors 
of in their prime where you can be close and then you hear the Warriors, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, they combine for nine three pointers in a three minute stretch. And then, damn, you're out of the game. You're like, what the hell happened? We we're in the game, but now we're out of it. Kansas City had that type of ability to go thermonuclear and get really hot and get hot in such a, a, a really hot in such a short time that they would just blow the game out of, uh, out of whack and you had no chance. You'd be basically separate from you. And even though you play the competitive game because of those six minutes in the game that they decided to separate and they became uh, something that was otherworldly, you had no shot. Kansas city, you should do that. I'm a Texans fan. I really did it to the Texans in the playoffs. Um, the, 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 this team, I'm not saying that's what they are, but they, they have done that in like three games this year. They did it in Rice. They did it in the Bama game, did it in the Wyoming game. This game was more just one quarter where they separated at that third quarter. They basically took the game over. Um, and the Baylor game, I mean, that was just <laughs> almost the entire game. They dominated. So what I'm just talking about, if you want to look at a trend, the trend would be that they just get hot in like a half a quarter or a quarter, and that's when they separate. The Eagles were like that last season where they had the second quarter and they were just, they were like the best team in the NFL, in NFL history in the second quarter. But in the other three quarters, they were pretty much an average team. Um, but you had to survive that second quarter. And the, I don't know where the quarter is for the Longhorns because it's been in the, in the third. We've seen it in the fourth. You know, it's been different places. But if you can survive that, that spurt where they go thermonuclear, then maybe you got a shot. But that's what they are. They're, they don't dominate. That's, we're not, that's not a dominant performance, guys. You can't say they dominated Wyoming. Right? They dominate yeah. that. They just they just decided to get when they got hot. Nobody can touch them when they get hot. Oh, and I like that. Honestly, I'm I like this formula better than any other formula we've seen from Texas <laughs> in the last 13 years. <laughs> more of it. Formula. We Give need more of it. Give yeah. us more. <laughs> uh, this is better than a side of Bijan. I'm all, exactly. Say. Yes. No doubt. <laughs> hey, Poke Casino, hook them all day, every day. You, I, We posted this earlier. Over 600 yards of total offense and defense held KU to 14 points. I'll take that all day. I think you just said enough for the entire UT fan base, to be Amen, honest. Justin, Justin Yarbrough uh, with a super chat. Solid por- performance for the team and great job on y'all's part. You guys didn't get to watch, uh, had to work. But did Derek Williams get to play a fair amount? Jerry, I saw him in there in the fourth quarter, uh, three three different drives, three and out uh, with him, uh, along with Jalen Catalan. That might be a, a future uh, future situation for the Longhorns. Oh, yeah, look, I mean, I, we are nitpicking, but look, that's the way that's where this team's put us in a position to nitpick. <laughs> uh, at some point, though, I mean, look, it's. Uh, Keaton Crawford's a hell of a special teams player. He's not a hell of a safety. Got it. All right. Hey, things are going to need to change a little bit there. Else, you could get clipped. Yeah. Uh, well, Derek Williams did play uh, quite a bit. He didn't play early. He didn't play get into the fourth quarter. Correct. Uh, Brandon Fennell had a question. Uh, this is for you, Rod. Second half team because of depth and conditioning. I think I think that certainly Ooh. plays a role. Um, yeah. I also think it, it has something to do with. Uh, Having better players, yeah, and Jerry's uh, right. Coaching, I mean, like they were clearly confused with the option in the first half, right? No question. They confused. went after Benda. Stark. Actually, I think he didn't run the hurry up late in the second half because he didn't want to give Kansas the ball back. Smart move. You, you know what I mean by that? <laughs> I think he did that on purpose 
because he wanted to get to the locker room so they could talk about the, how to defend the option. Yep. So some of it's coaching too. Um, I, I, I definitely think that. I think it's partially uh, depth as well. All right, uh, guys, uh, here's here's another one from the Commodian. 5-0, and it was a solid win. Let's just enjoy watching these guys grow. Yeah. Great job, Sark. Uh, I agree uh, that as well. Um, this one from Tim and CCO. Uh, best thing about this team is we hit back. That's, that's Sark's mantra, Rod. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I said. That, that's the way they respond to adversity. We see them. They've seen adversity in him. Damn near every game except the Baylor game, I guess. Baylor's probably the one game where they didn't really see any true adversity at any points. But every game we've seen them see some form of it. And in years past, this team would not respond as well. Uh, this team, on the other hand, not only do they respond, they respond with emphasis. <laughs> this team hits back. And they hit back harder than most of the time than their opponents hit. And I, I, I love that about And they're not afraid to get hit. They're not like, you know, this is not a team that is afraid of the adversity and, and, and the way they respond. They they come back in the second half, and I'll give that to the coach. I think it's an all-around um, effort, right? I think it's a, an amalgamation of different factors. It, this is multifactorial. This is strength and conditioning. This is Sark emphasizing. Sark is really good about being the man in the mirror, right? He's, he, he looks at himself, and he's very – honest and forthcoming. He talks to us about, hey, man, this is what we got to improve on. These are the, the shortcomings of the team. I think he's done that with himself. You talked about it, Bobby. He didn't take a day off in the offseason, devoting himself to getting better and his team to getting better. Jerry, you talked about it. The recruiting has all been trending toward let's have bigger humans and faster That's humans it. than everybody else. All right? And if we do that, we can wear teams down. They won't have bigger and faster humans. And by the fourth quarter, we'll wear them down. Sark has talked about playing more guys. So if they're fresher in the fourth quarter, so they can take over these games. It just seems like, you know, it's all actually we got to be optimistic and not looking for the uh, the glass half empty scenario where it, maybe it's working. Maybe it all actually is working for Texas. That's the way it's looking right now. I'm not saying they're going undefeated, but I'm just saying that right now this team looks like they're trending toward being one of the best teams in the country. And that's because of what that's, they're, they're getting closer to materializing Sark's vision. I, I agree with you. Hey, uh, Rod and Jerry, I want to reset. We've had almost a thousand people join us since we gave the injury updates. Okay. Uh, and this is uh, Sean McCumbers is asking us for a JT Sanders update. It is, uh, we believe, a uh, ankle sprain. He did not return. He was on the sidelines and uh, during the second half in street clothes. Ryan Watts is the other injury that may not have gotten as much play on the television. Uh, he was out for the second half as well. Uh, Sean McCumber uh, also mentioned, I thought Gunnar Helm actually gave us an advantage in the run game. He is oh, definitely a more natural, wow. well, he is a more natural blocker than JT Sanders. He's got, you know what he has, Rod? It's just like Malik Ogbo. He actually has longer arms than JT Sanders. He's a longer arm guy than JT. That that is true. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that he's a better blocker than JT Sanders. My disagreement would be that He's more effective in the running game. JT Sanders makes teams have to – he yeah. has gravity. Teams wow. have to worry about him in terms of play-action passing the RPO game. So there's an argument to be made that he's going to take up more, more defenders than any defender that a Gunnar Helm could block. He's going to take up two defenders usually just in – you know what I mean, as a, as, as a weapon. In the passing game and the RPO game, which I, I get, I get that you're basically saying there's a a, a give and take. Yeah, 
he's better in the passing game than Gunnar Helm. Gunnar Helm may be better in the run blocking game, but I'll I'll take JT Sanders. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm gonna. This one's next. Them both. You get this them both. Next, even though I don't know that it's six seventeen anymore. It's six twenty nine. But let's be clear, Miguel Gonzalez says it's six seventeen, and OU still sucks. <laughs> Damn right it is. I agree with that right. one, man. Uh, yeah. Talking about that, guys, from Jimmy Trevino. Sark hasn't stashed away a thing for OU. Come on. Our defense will come to play. Our O-line will control, control, and we are getting a W. Onward, baby. Yeah, he's definitely stashed away stuff for OU. I mean, that's, I think he had two games circled this year. The two games he had circled were Bama and Oklahoma. And he got to. That was your, you got to have the rival. Mac Brown recruited, talking about how he's got to beat Oklahoma and beat AM. You got to beat the rivals. You think about those teams a little bit more. And Sark knew what the Bama win would mean for the momentum of the program. And I think he knows what Oklahoma means for the tradition of the program. He wants to honor both. Uh, this is the post-game show on, in, on Texas football uh, in conjunction with Inside Texas. Uh, we want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, that's Flight, the next generation of light beer uh, produced by Yingling, America's oldest brewery, I believe. Uh, if you get a chance, try the next generation of light beer. That's Flight by Yingling. Jerry, what did you have to say, bud? JS Dogs at 630. I want to address that recruiting question real quick. Okay. Also do this one for me, too, while we're here. Okay. okay. Just one second. Jerry, okay. who were the surprise recruits today? And then bring up the JS Dogs. Yeah. I don't th- Nothing's materialized as far as surprise recruits that we thought um, so far um, – but, uh, yeah, I think all the guys that were expected to be there were there, with the exception of Zion Williams. Um, and and I, I'm not sure. I don't think the Corian Moore was there, but I could be mistaken. Um, somebody may have a photo or something. I missed doing uh, stuff with the game. But I, I don't think he was there based on a parent of a prospect. Uh, but uh, the, your Solomon Williams, DeAndre Carter, all those guys were in town. Uh, the uh, the thing with about Florida losing is, look, um, after Florida lost to Utah, everybody's like, hey, when's Ward on backflip? And then they go and beat Tennessee, right? I mean, this stuff still has to play out over time. I mean, if Florida sits there and goes five and seven this year, yeah, it's harder to recruit, right? I mean, uh, that's just part of it. But these feels the, the Sark and this staff, as far as a kid wanting to flip to them, they don't want an emotional flip. They want it to be real. That That's what they're looking for. Um, so that's not going to happen. As somebody is t- asking about DeAndre Robinson, man, look, I just say this. I mean, if he wants to go to Florida, they have plenty of time for defensive tackles. The only Kentucky, the only person wearing Kentucky gear that didn't run for a first down today was John Calipari. Okay. <laughs> wow. You watch a little bit of that game. And Rod's applauding that one. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, Jim. Cal could have taken a handoff and gotten three yards or four <laughs> yards today on third and two. <laughs> hey, this is a good question here. Uh, and I think this is a, it's fair because two weeks ago I was questioning it myself, even after the Bama win. And, and this is from a Victor Abundance. Am I seriously the only inside Texas member who doesn't think this team is not a top five team yet? Still wow. a second half team. Do we think Texas is a second-half team? Yes. But what about the top five comment, guys? Both of y'all take this one, in my opinion. Jerry, you got it. I think Michigan's the best team for me right now. Look, they have the mo- they have a lot of returning experience. Their offensive line is stellar. Um, uh, I-, I think they're there. I mean, after that, look, Georgia 
very good defensively, right? I mean, people are going to say, well, Auburn did this, did that against them. Road games, these guys play tight games. I mean, uh, Georgia beat Missouri 26-22 on the road last year. They got tested at Auburn today coming off an embarrassing loss to A&M. Um, you're going to have tight games, especially the way Georgia plays. But I do think offensively there's some questions there that haven't been there the last couple of years. And, oh, by the way, their best receiver caught 10 for 141 in Austin today. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't help either. Uh, but after that, I mean, would I take Texas over FSU? Yes. Does that mean if they lined up 10 times, Texas will win 10? No. Um, and, you know, Ohio State, we'll see, right? Penn State, we'll see. Uh, but I, I think after maybe Michigan right now to me and you keep Georgia up there just because of what they've done, how they've won games under Kirby the last two years, although I don't think they're that level. I mean, I, I think Texas is a top five team right now. Does that mean they're going to win next Saturday? It doesn't. But I, I don't think you could look at five teams right now and say they're all – for sure, better than Texas. Rod, yeah. what are your what's your USC say? has no defense, by the way. So keep going. They, yeah, they, do, they, they do pressure the opposing quarterback pretty good. That's yeah. like they they they're never a good defense. They just have uh, an elite trait. Like that they remember last year they were like top they were on the top teams in takeaways. They yeah. they don't they just find something they do really well. But they're not a good defense overall. Right, I yeah. agree with that. Um, I'll, I, I don't know. I I I could be, but I, I could be. I of course I'm biased. <laughs> I could be biased. No, I'm biased, but I, I I think Jerry hit the nail on the head with his argument. It's hard to make a a really to me. It's hard to make a really good argument against Texas being a top five team, right? That somebody is that there there are four teams out there that are all better than Texas. Um, so I I think they are a top five team. It, it, there are probably seven, eight teams right now that are in that discussion overall period in Texas, one of them. So I'm sure that the, you know, they're, they're entitled to their opinion. I'll say they're a top five team. And just because yes, they are a second half team. They're, they're not a four quarter team yet. We seem to be a fourth quarter team, a second half team. Um, you know, Baylor, these whip Baylor, like they stole something, but in terms of them dominating a game, dominating a quality opponent, we haven't seen, they had a lot of really good luck. With backup quarterbacks, I don't know what the hell is going on there, but I'll take it. All right, you just take that. GCU season, just keep it going. Just take it, man. They gonna give it to you. Take it. Uh, but man, they checked all the boxes so far. They've checked all the boxes so far, and I don't know if there's a team that, has, other than Florida State, Florida State's in there. Is there one of those teams that's been tested more than Texas? Not tested. Washington offensively stellar, but they still gave up thirty points to Cal at home, right? I'm not sure those pack teams are really good enough on defense. Like, I think Washington's tremendous on offense. Everybody knows I think Kalen DeBoer may be the best under 50 coach in college football. I know that's stupid. Some people say that's dumb. Kirby Smart has two national titles. Kirby Smart inherited a 10-win program with 30 NFL guys. He just moved it to 50. Um, (laughs) Finish line. I mean – uh, what DeBoer's done at Washington and throughout his career is some serious winner's DNA. Maybe Washington offensively is very good. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yeah. yeah. 
No. Um, hey, here's a question for you or, or a comment. Uh, in a season of last, it's been nice for Texas to play some from the greatest hits. Destroy Baylor, destroy Kansas. Check mark. Good job, yeah. guys. Uh, this good. one from Les Lupe Cisneros. Uh, he wants to know if we should call less less screens, uh, less screen plays uh, for the Longhorns. I don't know. I mean, Jonathan Brooks caught one on a screen early that set up a, a score later. Look, I like I like Sark's screen game. I, I think it's a it's a value a value play for the te- for Texas. Yeah, oh, I think sure. you, yeah, no, because Andy Reid's got probably the most expansive screen game in the NFL. I, I think more screens, you know, for I mean, he has a tight end screen. You got Keenan Robinson. I want to say a lot of his stuff are screens uh, for the most part too. I I like the screen game that Sark has. And I think he's actually expanding it. And I know in this game, I'll give Kansas credit. They just they read a lot of them really well, especially the wide receiver screens on the outside. The secondary, you know, I mean, Texas, you know, tried the screen game on the outside and they made some plays, some really good plays. Uh, you got to give them credit too. All right. Here's a question for, for me from Pappy J. Is Bobby willing to say we are an 11 win team now? Uh, can I answer that for you, Bobby? Ask after Texas OU next week. Oh. Really? I don't know. I don't think I have to wait. So, so here's I, my take. I feel I'm, really good about this. I, I, coming out of this one, the way Quinn Ewers is playing. There we go. Remember how I told you, and Rod, you and I talked about this. There we go. The consistency of Quinn Ewers is where the the ceiling of this team goes. Amen. Right. He may he could have guided them as a bus driver. I thought to ten wins. For them to get more than 10, they needed Quinn to step up and be more than just a bus driver. He was more than a bus driver today. Yep. He was more than a bus driver against Baylor. He was more than a bus driver against Alabama. Okay. Three of the five games, he's been more. And he's he's put two nice games together yep. now going into OU. So back to back. I didn't think he played particularly well or bad against Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming get, kind of just choked the clock. Uh, but I I think that Texas is headed that way. Now, you know, watch me say that and something happened. But <laughs> a long, long story short is I definitely think that that Quinn Ewers element, Jerry, changes things. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's where I'm at on it. Well, I, I think, uh, look, I mean, um, no, somebody's asking one or two. Ski Breck had me answer. One, if I like Notre Dame, or two, if I like Duke tonight. I I'm, I'm, I hate Christian Leitner. I'm going with Duke tonight, number two, beating Notre Dame. Um, that's what I was answering. Ooh, Sorry. Uh, nice. I know. I know. I, they're saying something, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think Duke is – the quarterbacks are really, really good player for them. And, and I think Elko's going to have his guys ready. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> UT boy said Jerry's not a believer yet. No, that's not it. Look, I've sat here and said – if Texas wins next week in 6-0, and the toughest half of the schedule is gone. Then the pressure starts the more games you win. If Texas wins this week, I think they're 11-1 and at worst, barring major injuries going into the Big 12 championship. If they get the 6-0, and then that's where I'm at. And I said after Bama, after they win that game, now the Big 12 championship becomes the goal, the national championship becomes the dream, like Matthew Pagani said. Texas has put themselves in position to where if they go win this Saturday – all those goals are clearly in front of them. Yeah. I, I, I said this, and I actually, Bobby and I were talking about this on the live stream. We were at the co-op. 
Listen, I played on some really good teams, man. Two of them, that those two, that 2001-02 teams were really good, man. We we definitely should have won a championship, whether it be a conference or we should have played, hell, we should have played for a national championship, actually. We were that good. But we only won 11 games. Right. This team has a chance to be as good as any team I played on, those 11-win teams. Why is that? Why? Why? Why do you say that? Well, because they got football, great football character. They got a really good football character. And what I mean by that is the way they respond to adversity. Uh, and also from what I've seen so far, and the, the football IQ. I love the football IQ of the defense. That's what I like. I like the way they adjust. I think they, they are a defense that has high football IQ at a lot of levels. Um, but I like the football character. That's all about responding to adversity. That's all about finishing a game, being able to close out an opponent. And they do that really well. Um, but we still weren't a championship team. We were just a really good team. We weren't a great team. So what Jerry's talking about is, listen, they could end up just being a really good team, like we were. But we fell short of being a great team, an elite team, a championship team. They got that capability. The ceiling for this team, like the ceiling for us was, man, we had we probably had as much talent or more talent than any team in the country. We really were. We were. I mean, go oh, back and look at it, man. I, I know we were. We were up there in the conversation. Rod, y'all's the team that lost to Colorado in the Big 12 title game. Oh, we were loaded. Loaded. Oh, man. First round talent. I mean, we had guys everywhere across the board. Go back and track it. Yes. But like I said, we fell short because we lost focus. Different. We had bad luck. Whatever you want to call it. Um, That's the the challenge now for this team. They're they're not going to meet anybody else on the schedule, even Oklahoma, which usually is not the case that's better than them. This is all about them kind of falling short and not playing to a standard and playing to the level of their opponent, which they've done in quarters this year, but never in the entire game. They've done it in quarters. And that's, I mean, that's, they're not perfect. <laughs> it happens. Hell, go back and look at my that teams. We, I'm sure there are some ugly games we play and you got to win ugly. Um, and that's what I like about this team too, is it ain't always pretty. And as uh, Jerry mentioned, they've struggled. Hell, man, usually when you fumble two kick returns and the other team recovers them in, you know, in your opposing territory when, you know, they could potentially score uh, close to the red zone, that's usually a bad sign for your team. When you put the ball on the ground on the road in Tuscaloosa, that means, man, bad things are going to happen. But not for this team, though. It could be luck. could be luck. But they do respond well, and they don't let those things cripple them. In the games, they just happen and we move on. It's like they tell you in life, like, hey, man, bad things are going to happen. You need to overcome them. Just keep moving forward. This team is a move forward type team. They got that attitude about a lot of adversity. That's what I like about them. Bad things happen to this team. Don't act like they don't. They just don't necessarily uh, respond the same way. And this team doesn't really, uh, I don't think they let that affect them in a negative way. They move on really quickly. Good stuff, Rod. Uh, guys, I want to say thank you real quick and then mention this. Uh, if you get a chance and you're not a subscriber to Inside Texas, uh, you should be. Uh, right now we have a, a special going on. Uh, use the promo code OTFIT23. And for $1, you can get two months of InsideDexas.com. You guys have been asking a bunch of recruiting questions. Uh, that's where Jerry, Justin Wells, Eric Nalene, everybody uh, is posting each and every day uh, about Longhorn football and recruiting. Joe Cook, our beat reporter, is at the press conference, I believe, right now. Uh, give us a chance at, uh, at InsideTexas.com. 
promo code OTFIT23. Make sure you select the monthly offer. All right. Uh, some other things here that I, I had some other comments I wanted to go to, guys. Uh, this one is from uh, our friend Jared DeWald. Guys, hook them. Glad about the win. But do you guys think Burt Auburn's job is at risk? Or should it be? Um, Not yet. They Look, if it's perfect snaps, perfect holds, and you're missing kicks all over the place, maybe. Will Stone, has he attempted a field goal in college? No, he has not. Well, he's. He, I think he did an extra point last year. One extra point. Yeah. yeah. All right, hey, uh, Jonte Randolph, where can I find this white zip? I got it at the co-op. 40 Acres Apparel. Hey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yeah. uh, John. Nice. I'm, I'm, I love this uh, this brand, 40 Acres Apparel, guys, uh, by the way. All right, uh, the Commodian says, hey, I'd rather be the underdog with this team. We have a lot to prove. I think this team has that mindset. Man, you guys keep mentioning TCU last year, but Jerry, you and Broad both have mentioned that. Isn't this team, doesn't it feel a lot like TCU a year ago? With maybe some higher end talent, I don't know. I, I think it. I think it feels that way because quarterbacks are coming up injured in games or not playing against Texas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the thing that I was so excited about today, and I still didn't get to see it. I wanted to see. Look, the preseason Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year did not play against Texas today, and he happens to be exactly. a quarterback, a point guard. I still have not seen Texas against a really good offensive team. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see that just to see it. You know, because uh, so we still haven't got to see it. Jason Bean's a really good athlete. You know, you'd have had to bring in Usain Bolt to prep for him and practice this week if you were Texas, right? But mm-hmm. he's not a great quarterback. No. So you Texas played against a team that didn't have the Big 12 preseason player of the year today. So I still haven't seen them against a great a, a offense at full strength that was the best offense they'll probably face this year. So now we go into the Oklahoma game. All right, is Dylan Gabriel going to be healthy or is he going to fall down the stairs on Wednesday or something? (laughs) Right? I mean, you know, if that guy falls down the stairs this week or gets hit by a scooter or going to practice, something weird happens, then it's it's Texas type of season. Yeah, put money on put money on Texas to go all the way if that's the case, baby, because something (laughs) strange is going on. Rod Beaton had a baby in 2023, and hey, it's going down. (laughs) Good money on. Hey, by the way, Rally it baby. is now it is now 14-10 OU leading uh, Iowa State uh, with 214 remaining uh, in the first quarter. Hey, that, uh, that's important because Iowa State's defense is still good. Iowa State as a program is a bit of a fuster cluck right now, but he that defense, John Haycock, is still probably one of the best defensive minds, along with PK actually now too, in the Big 12. I mean, he's legit, so um, that's is it, seeing how that offense of Oklahoma can score against that defense. That matters. That's that's the real deal. Got to guys. Want to thank you all for all putting in your chat questions. If you have any more, please add them to the list right now. Uh, I want to say also thank you to our friends at Flight. That's the next generation of light beer uh, from the folks at Yingling. Uh, also want to say thank you to the folks at Faust Distributing. Uh, our friends uh, at on Texas Football and the post game show in particular. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Hey, um, a couple more things I want to ask. And this is, uh, you know, people are asking, and now that Jonathan Brooks has kind of gone off the last three games, right? And had a good game against Alabama, by the way. But he's gone th- over 100, three, three consecutive games now. Who do you, who does he remind you of for as a Texas running back? 
Anybody in particular? Some people are saying Jonathan Brook are, are uh, saying, excuse me, Jamal Charles. No, no, no. I'm saying Brooke. Priest Holmes. I, I, um, I was anybody? going. I was going more Priest Holmes as far as as a guy who's not going to run the fastest forty at the combine. He's a patient runner. People saying Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles ran ten three. I mean, yeah, he would have housed the one that got caught, that the guy caught Jonathan Brooks behind. But Jonathan's pretty darn fast, Jerry. I mean, I, I don't think he's four four. I think no. he's four five though. I mean, in, in that realm. But uh, yeah, I would say more Priest Holmes to me. Got it. Does he have to be an all-time great running back? That no. Can no. Who do you got? Oh, no. Kind of reminds me of Keontae Ingram. <laughs> like he's just a like kind of a souped-up version of Keontae Ingram yeah. a little bit, honestly. Like I don't, I, I don't. He doesn't have, he doesn't have elite speed. Um, he breaks tackles really well at the second level, though. It's something yeah. you may not, I think, better than you expect him to. Um, but like I said, I, don't, I mean, he's he he is definitely Texas' best asset at running back now i don't think that's a question anymore i don't know if we're still debating that i hope that's not a competition it's his job now i think it's yeah i would agree with that i think he's earned that uh and uh i just got a text from somebody uh that i respect uh that i want to i want to say this bobby we might be tough think about that a tough team he's right texas is tough the one thing we can say they're not they're not the five and seven team we saw a couple years ago, they're not even last year's team. They're starting to show toughness, not just on defense, but on offense. Yeah. Particularly in the second half, being able to run the ball like they have the last couple of weeks. Y'all agree with that? Is is Texas now a tough team in y'all's opinion? But it's a smart tough, right? Because Tom Herman's teams were tough. It's a smarter tough. It's uh, you know, I think it's a more um it's a more intellectual toughness where they're beating you, but also game planning specific ways to exploit you. Tom Herman's teams were tough, but it was more of a, <laughs> uh, uh, we, we always just say these mince, the mince of meathead mentality with Tom Herman. Right. It was a meathead toughness with it where it's like, well, don't beat your head against a brick wall. Uh, that's not smart, right? Don't do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Uh, Sark's toughness though is about, overwhelming your opponent um, with this uh, kind of intellectual toughness where he uses personnel groupings and I, he is going to isolate defenders and he still uses the passing game as a big part of it. It's, you know, six O line package the 21 personnel. He's going to occupy your defenders and occupy their eyes with pre-snap motion. It's going to look a little bit different. And so it, it, you know, it's always not your traditional toughness. I agree, they're tough, but it's not like Texas hasn't had tough teams before. There's a smart and tough team. It's, a, I think, it's a difference. What I, what I like, what I think's making Texas a tougher team, guys, uh, and, and I think it's underrated. Like Casey Studdard was underrated at Texas because was he the most talented guy? Was he the highest draft pick? None of that. DJ Campbell's got a lot of what Casey Studdard had. Those guys make teams tougher. DJ's making Texas tougher in the run game because he ain't having it. If you mess with his quarterback, he's getting in your face. He is not trying to block a guy. He's trying to annihilate a guy every time he hits them in the run game. Those guys, and, and Kelvin Banks showed some of that left tackle, but having an interior guy that snap comes off the ball every snap wanting to put somebody through the ground is something that makes your team tougher. 
Got it. Uh, hey, this one, uh, Jerry. I know you got to get. I know you got to get going. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and let you get going, uh, buddy. I, we appreciate you today. Thanks for stepping in on the pregame. Then also in the po- uh, the watch with us and the postgame. You've got some uh, family duties to attend to. Uh, so yeah, we appreciate that. you very much, Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. Take care, bud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, not affected to play against quarterback you prepared for. I, I thought this was an interesting question. Could you imagine being Jason Bean today? By the way, oh, it's one thing when your quarterback's hurt and you're the backup and you prepare all week. It's another thing when, oh my gosh, Jalen's holding his back at nine thirty this morning. What are we? What, what's going on? <laughs> and then life holds in. Boy, I hope Bean's an experienced guy. I hope he really uh, did pay attention this week. <laughs> so crazy. Seriously. That's not the normal situation for a guy. No way. Yeah, I'm with right. you. All right, right, Jerry, you take it easy, buddy. Thank we'll you. Tomorrow. We'll grade the horns tomorrow. All right, yeah, yeah, absolutely, buddy. See you tomorrow morning. All you right, know, to, hey, add, uh, to add to Jerry's point really quickly, though, so did he sleep bad? Like, what was it? Like, how- he just he re-injured. He's had back problems before, Rod. We're talking about Jalen Daniels, the, the yeah. Kansas quarterback. He's had back problems before, and I know that's what kept him out last year sometimes. Okay. Okay? So Man. maybe he re-injured it stretching or something is what people were talking about. Wow. Um, you know, that's crazy. we'll see. Uh, Michael Hinojosa with a uh, super chat. We appreciate you, Michael. Uh, thank, thank you very much. Uh, I want to say this, and, and I, I would say um, that Texas right now, I don't know if tough I, – I kind of agree with you about the tough part, Rod, um, in that it's not the meathead tough. It's no. not we're going to be stronger and meaner and tougher than you. Uh, but there's an element of that to, to Jerry's point with DJ Campbell. Um, yeah. There's an element of that maybe with maybe Byron Murphy, you know, uh, I want to say, I, I got a couple, I want to talk about a couple of big plays that I, I saw today. Baron Sorrell running with the running back down the sideline. Hmm. Did you see, you remember that play, Jerry? I do, uh, I do remember Rod, this play, yeah. I yeah, was like, like, did he really just do that? Cause he saw that. Yeah. And ran with them. And I think that Jack Texas up. Jalen Catalan on the third and one cut in and really stopped the runner. Uh short of the third down, made it a fourth and one. You saw him just he's I mean, an he alley cat. Back. I call him an alley cat, man. He when he gets a beeline to the football, his angles to the football are so precise. And he does, you know, you, you barely see him adjust because they're so precise initially. And that's why he can he can get he can gather so much speed because you never see him have to make the adjustment because he's usually really accurate from the jump. I, I love watching Jalen Catlin just in film, watching, just watch him on a play that they're gonna make, they're running, or you can see him actually see the alley develop. And I've heard Michael Griffin talk about this interesting piece, and I, I I love hearing the safety talk about it. If you trust your teammates. You're you're supposed to be able to accurately predict where the ball will spill as a safety because everybody has a gap. Everybody's got a gap. Everybody's got a fit. And if, if you as a safety, you trust your teammates. Like, all right, you know what? They're running this play. You can almost predict. All right, you know what? I can make I can make a beeline to this predicted gap because I know this is where it's going to spill. And I think Jalen Catalan is at that point with Texas because they're so sound in that front seven with Jalen Ford, with Sweat, Murphy, you know, Sorrell, and with Burke and all those guys, that he knows, oh, man, when that ball's going to spill. If they're running out to the perimeter, I know exactly where the where the gap is, and I know exactly where the daylight's supposed to be, and I can close it. 
it's a beautiful thing to watch with him go downhill. It is. It's fantastic. Got it. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Can you hear me, Bobby? Bobby's got some technical difficulties going on. <clears throat> uh -oh. All right. I think it might just be me for now. <laughs> Till Bobby gets back on. Um, all right. So uh, engaging life moments. Hey, thank you. Appreciate the, the super chat. Does Brooks deserve some national attention? Listen, going into this game, Brooks had, he was fifth in the power five in forced missed tackles with 25 forced missed tackles. That was going into this game. And this was obviously the biggest showcase game that he's had so far. So hell yeah, he deserves some national attention. You got to give him credit because, man, he did he, he did not win the starting job initially, right? Cedric Baxter starts the first two games, and then Jonathan Brooks, I, I think when he got his opportunity, he decided I'm not giving up this job. It's going to be my job. And 20 carries for 217 yards, averaging over 10 yards per attempt. It's his job now. And Sark, will be, Sark, when he was asked last week, did Jonathan Brooks earn the starting job? He didn't, he didn't acknowledge it. I think he will acknowledge it in the next press conference or media availability when he's asked about Jonathan Brooks. Is he the starting running back? He's got to say it's Jonathan Brooks. There's no way he can say, oh, well, you know, we're playing a lot of guys and they're great. And, and CJ Baxter still, you know, he's a great contributor and we expect him to play really well. No, you got to give that man his flowers and say, it's Jay Brooks, right, Bobby? You got to do that. He's the man. It's his spot. He's earned it. I agree. I think he's – I don't know whether he deserves national attention yet, um, but I, I will say that he's definitely going to get some Big 12 attention at this point. Um, you know, 200, 217 yards rushing is a big day, period. He said exactly. he's <laughs> rush for 100-plus against Baylor. He's popping long runs, Rod. Yes. That's the other thing that that maybe I don't think we necessarily appreciated because Bijan and Roshan were not really popping long runs. They popped like 20, 25 yarders. Explosive runs. Yeah, but and not these long <laughs> house ones. Yeah. Right? That's wild. that was a little uh, interesting for me. Uh, I have a question for you on this one. What does the film say? <laughs> Is the best combo? Wow, that's a great question, Jones. That's a great question. Um, I'm gonna say it's it's probably some combination of man. It depends on the matchup too. The team you're playing, if they want to run the football a lot. If they, team wants to run the football, Jalen Catalan will probably might he'll be on the list no matter what. I would put him up there, and I know he's been. Sark doesn't admit there's a pitch count. I think there is a pitch count with him. So he can get him deeper into conference play. Oklahoma, I might, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Oklahoma game if he plays the most snaps he's played all season in a game. I'll throw that out there. Depending on how the game goes, that kind of thing. Um, I'll put Jalen Catalan up there. He's one. He's he's up there. And I would say honestly, it's it's Jaron Thompson or Derek Williams. And I, man, Derek Williams is his his coverage ability. I know he's young, so. He's gonna, they're gonna be plays where teams exploit him just because his lack of experience. He doesn't have the reps. They're gonna be plays where they can go after him. But natural coverage ability, he's your best coverage safety out there right now. Honestly, he's the best coverage safety that Texas has on the roster right now, in my opinion. Interesting. That's, 
That's why it could be him and Catalan, honestly. But I think Jaron Thompson, I'll go with him and Catalan as my top two. All right. This one, Rod, for you and me. Uh, Y'all need to give this O-line some run-blocking kudos. I could not agree more. Um, Look, they leaned on KU all game long. They opened up holes early, late, in between. Uh, Texas controlled the clock 39-plus minutes of possession. You don't do that unless you've got the run game going. I mean, it just doesn't work any other way. Uh, The guys deserve some real credit. Uh, In my opinion, DJ Campbell has set up, and we talk about him. You know, he had a bad game against Rice. Cole Hudson then got injured against Bama, right, or Wyoming. I'm sorry, I can't remember. My point being, now DJ Campbell's getting more and more opportunities becoming a better and better lineman. He did get called on one holding uh, today, so uh, there's that. But, I mean, geez, uh, he is an aggressive blocker. Uh, Rod, this this offensive line, in your opinion, better than a year ago now? Jake oh, Matthews has improved. Yeah, no question. If you uh, And I guarantee if you look at yards before contact, just off the eye test alone, I mean, of that big touchdown run from Jonathan Brooks, I mean, they, nobody touched him. He literally went untouched <laughs> by yep. any Kansas defender. Uh, and that's because the offense line is opening up big holes. They're able to lean on teams now. They're closing out games. We talked about a team being a fourth quarter team, a second half team. A lot of it is the run game. Now they, you know, in the Bama game, they have their explosive plays in the second half. But how they close out that game? How did they finish Bama? They they did it with the run game. They pounded them into submission. How they close out this game? They closed out with the running game. We've seen that in a lot of games in you know, that Wyoming game. They closed it out with the running game. That's really one of the signature moves now for Sark, that when he does feel like that he has an opponent right where he wants to finish him, Mortal Kombat style, that he's going to just run the ball, pound them into submission. As Jerry mentioned, you got the big humans. That's what you recruited them for. You got the most massive offensive line in the Big 12. Essentially, when you go into the SEC, you'll have one of the biggest, but not the biggest, but that's why you got them. And now you can lean on teams. And, and maybe, like Jerry mentioned, that's why the fourth quarter separation is happening because these teams just don't have the bodies to keep up with Texas in the trenches. That's where usually the separation starts, and then you can see it kind of the domino effect reverberate all throughout the defense and the offense. And Texas right now, that's where they're deepest. They're deepest in the trenches. That's the crazy thing about this run is that they're deeper on the D-line and deeper on the O-line and I think they are at almost any position. They're deep in a lot of positions. But the O-line depth and the D-line depth right now is, right now Texas saying Texas has one of the deeper D-lines in the country throwing it out there, especially in the interior D-line with Sweat and Byron Murphy playing so well. Got it. Um, I want to I want to do this one. Then I have another comment that I want to make uh, and get your a take on it. This one from El Conquistador. How many sacks did we get? I don't, I don't think Texas sacked Jason Bean once. Yeah, I don't, they flushed him a lot. But I don't think they got a single sack tonight. Mm, I gotta go check out the. Yeah, I gotta go look at the the stats. I don't have them in front of me. Matt, they have any? Play zero. There you go. Zero. Yeah. And and Quinn to Quinn's credit, he only gave up two, but it, they weren't bad sacks. They weren't big big sacks. The only big negative plays Texas had was the swing pass to Xavier Worthy uh, mm-hmm. that was a minus five or six, and then. Uh, the the snap over the head. Did they go after Jason Bean though? I gotta go check and see if they actually they went not. after him. Not um, until late. I, I I felt like they were they were trying to keep him in the pocket. And yeah, and, game. yeah, and the the passing game wasn't working though. 
Like, yeah. okay, I, I, I would, if as, as a defensive coordinator, I would be freaking out about pressuring the opposing quarterback if the passing game was hurting me. It actually wasn't hurting you. I mean, at, at halftime, what they have two completions? <laughs> I think it was not halftime. I think at the, in the second quarter, it was like two completions or something like that. Was like, they, they they really weren't necessarily beating you in the passing game, putting together long sustained drives. So I think that's why you know maybe there wasn't emphasis or urgency for PK to apply pressure via the blitz or put together complicated exotic pressure packages. He just knew I got to keep it simple with this dude. He's not gonna beat me with his arm. He's not gonna beat me in the pocket, which we all knew that he's gonna beat you with his legs which he beat you a couple of times with his legs, but that's not enough to be able to put together a long drive or put together consistent drives against the Texas defense. I got to say this. Uh, I actually, that was my next comment. Pete Kwiatkowski. Yeah, man. Um, he's, he's showing some ability yeah. to adjust. Yep. And I mean, he went with the fourth, the, the base four, three again. To, that was his, that was his, um, that was his response to the triple option. Put put Jay now now this time he 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 mixed and matched a little he bit. He did. He mixed and matched some nickel in there. You're right. Yeah. You, you said it was matchup based, and you're right. It was matchup yeah. based. Yeah. yeah, that's what he did, and it it slowed down the outside option. It I mean they did a good job of. Uh, that's a sign of a good coach, and that's one of the reasons. It's very interesting. One of the reasons you always want I like defensive coordinators that are a little bit older, um, is they've seen it all before. I mean, they've they've defended the wing T, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've defended the option, so they've they've seen that, and they have an idea of what needs to happen. I, I just wanted to say my hats off to them because, uh, other than two big plays, Texas didn't give much up uh, all day yeah. uh, to them. Yeah, right. this, defense. You you can't defend everything. I mean, that's just the way a defensive game plan works. It's impossible to defend everything in all areas of the field. You're pretty much picking and choosing what you're going to defend depending on the weaknesses and strengths of your opposing team. And and honestly, the, the couple of concepts that Texas has been vulnerable to this year, I mean, you re- they haven't been consistently effective. They've just been sporadically effective, right? As a deep ball, a couple of deep balls versus Alabama, a couple of deep balls versus Baylor. Uh, you know, uh, maybe the safeties were attacked versus Wyoming. You know, but there are things you can adjust to, which is what a great defensive coordinator is going to do. He's going to say, all right, you know what? Okay, I gave that up. Let me let me move a couple pieces around. Let me make this adjustment here. Let me countermeasure here. And then we can we can go back, you know, and see exactly how effective that can be now that I've made the adjustment. And whether it be the players, players sometimes are making these adjustments too. It's not always PK. Um, but whether it's the players or whether it's PK, I mean, this defense, they just don't have a lot of, Weaknesses, the option worked this year. So you can make a list. Make a list if you want to. And I've made a list, right? Option football. You should try that versus Texas defense. You should throw it deep a couple of times. They've given up some deep passes. You should throw toward bunch formations. That has worked a few times versus uh, Texas. Um, uh, Also, you should attack Ryan Watts. Throw it out there. Attack Ryan Watts if he's playing. Throw it out there. Uh, But you know what I mean? Like, you can build a list now. This is where we are at the midway point of the season. By the way, this is – the list is what Oklahoma's looking at, too. They, they got the same list. There, there aren't a lot of things you can throw at Texas defense consistently that have worked, but there are a couple of things that have sporadically been effective, and those are the things. But we're being nitpicky, and that's, I'm, this is the first world problem of a, a really good football team. It's like, you know what? I want to find something to complain about. We got a few things that we can't. But 
other than that, this team is on the this defense is on the way to being a. You asked the, the question, Bobby, could they go from being good to great to elite? They're hovering around great right now. I don't know if they're elite yet. They're hovering around being a great defense potentially. Yeah, but they haven't I, been tested by a really good quarterback yet. That's the problem. Yes, I agree. And and KU came out and put some put some stuff on them a little yeah, bit. They did. They did. Uh, I, I've got to give the, the Jayhawks credit for that. Uh, Dax come uh, looking forward here, Jerry. All right, Jerry, Rod. Uh, f- besides falling down the stairs, how do we stop <laughs> Dylan Gabriel next week? What is it that Texas needs to do against that veer and shoot that uh, Art Briles popularized at Baylor? His son-in-law, Jeff Levy, uh, now runs for the Sooners. They will test you vertical and deep ball. That's going to happen. And Dylan Gabriel throws a beautiful. Deep, effective deep ball. Matter of fact, those were the things that Kansas was struggling with, even with Jalen Daniels this year, was they weren't completing the vertical uh, deep ball very well. We know Texas, prior to this season, had issues with it. Uh, Oklahoma does not. They'll throw it and throw it really effectively. So that's part of them stretching you vertically, and then they'll stretch you horizontally with the screen game, uh, with the wide receiver screen game, and with some of their quick game, their quick passing game. So I, I think for Texas, it's actually comforting because it is the air raid. It's just a different variation and version of the air raid. But they're running the air raid offense. PK likes game playing versus the air raid. Uh, I don't know that personally, but if you look at his years and tenure versus the air raid, he's had some a lot of success versus air raid offenses throughout the years. And I think Gillen Gabriel, he's one of the best quarterbacks at running this version of it with Jeff Levy. Um, but I actually feel good about Texas uh, in this game because the defensive line is so stout they don't have to necessarily load the box to stop the air raid. They can actually devote bodies to the passing game and they can trust their defensive line to hold up, defensive front rather, to hold up in the running game against you know the air raid because they're going to spread you out. They're, they're going to have lighter boxes running the football, hoping to stress you, hoping that you defend their light box with a light box. Texas may do that, but Texas light box will be more stout and formidable because it's got Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, <laughs> and those bigger bodies. So I like Texas matchup in this. In this Got game it. All right, uh, here's a question from uh, Britt Rasco. How bad would an ups- OU upset over Texas next week damage the recruiting momentum UT has right now? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Texas and OU are not going head-to-head for that many players right now, guys. Oh, that's good. They're not. It's mm-hmm. – uh, you know, two or three, maybe it might, however, Britt, to your point, affect the 2025 class. So not this year, uh, but the years to come. Uh, the, SEC. So we'll have- the SEC years. Yep. Yep. That's right. Hey, here's one for you. Our de- defense from young Joe, our defense uh, continues to win games. Who's our biggest threat in the OU game? Like, uh, so does that, is he talking about a pass rush here? I'm not sure. Oh, young yeah. Joe. Or are you well, talking about it's the offense? I mean, the that's the most prolific offense statistically, I believe, in the Big 12. Uh, just statistically. So they they score and they, they score a lot of points. So I think that's the biggest test. Defensively, I would say Brent Venables has made it his personal mission to rehabilitate the defense. He's been as yep. the reports are he's been as hands-on as he's ever been with any defense because he was embarrassed and ashamed of the product last season. And they have improved. Their test will be how much they've improved versus Texas. They have improved, though. The defense is much better. We'll get into the 
the stats, and we'll talk about it all week long. That defense is much better. I, I know Jerry's not necessarily a believer in how much they've improved. I think they haven't improved enough. I don't know if they're the stats right now are reflective because they haven't necessarily faced any elite offenses. But, hey, man, you can only defend what's in front of you. Yeah, I will say this, Rod, just so you know. It's 21-17 uh, in the second quarter. Damn. So uh, let's be clear. Uh, OU has put up 21 points, 14 of which uh, came in the uh, 14 of which came in the f- first quarter. A se- and seven of it was a, a pass interception return. Oh, they got a pick six. Yeah. OU got a pick six. Wow. Uh, but uh, Iowa State has the ball driving right now. Game 21 uh, 17. Th- uh, just early in the third, uh, early in the second quarter. Uh, OU's defense right now not looking great. Uh, and this is uh, here's one from Mike Hinojosa OU defense getting gashed right now against yeah. a team that's playing a freshman quarterback. Uh, yeah. by the way, now exactly, Red Venables has made his personal mission. Maybe he ain't done enough to disrupt <laughs> that defense. I will say this that I will say defense, though, I, I talked about it that they're on the test, though. They they will make a lot of quarterbacks look silly. Um, so I don't, I haven't looked at it, I haven't watched it, but. We'll see if they frustrated Dilly Gabriel. It's pretty much that's pretty obvious that they frustrated that Oklahoma offense a little bit. That three high three down, as even Texas fans know, um, it can be really effective neutralizing spread offenses. <laughs> Here's one from Gary Smallwood. Let's laugh a little bit. Uh, Gary says, I don't know. If I was a starting QB and watched the Texas front seven on film, I might have a <laughs> mysterious pregame injury as well. Those are some fast, <laughs> big humans who have bad intentions. Uh, Gary, you and me both. Yeah, I think I think we might, well uh, might be one and the same on that one. Well, uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, well hey, uh, let's talk, Rod, a little bit about some stuff here. <laughs> uh, Longhorns are five and zero. Oh. Um, a good win against Kansas. I thought that the offense played terrific. Uh, Quinn Ewers, in particular, Jonathan Brooks in the O line. Ad Mitchell had a great game. Uh, no, no drops from any of the receivers. Uh, worried a little bit right now about JT Sanders' health. Yep. Uh, but overall, I mean, the, the offense scored 40 points in a game where going into it, we knew they needed to score because Kansas had the potential of scoring quickly and scoring a lot of points. So the offense came to play today, uh, in my opinion. You, you agree with that comment? Yeah, I, actually, I thought the defense actually came to play too. I, I know that they gave up the big plays. We got, I, I sometimes you got to give Kansas some credit. Oh, they, yeah. And remember, I, I described Kansas' offense, they're a virus. They're trying to hack you. They just throw as many concepts and personnel groupings and formations at you as possible. And then they're going to figure out one that works. And once they figure out one that works, they'll try to pinpoint it and build on that concept. And they did that versus Texas. Worked pretty well. They hacked them. And they found out, hey, option football. You guys hadn't defended it all year long. It works a little well. It works pretty well versus Texas. They'll probably see option football maybe one more time this year against K-State. So is K-State the only team that we have that can run option football? Who else can run it? I think that's the no, only I mean, Well, Central Florida certainly can. Oh, okay. Texas doesn't play them. Yeah. Uh, Keaton Slo- Donovan Smith's not going to do it. They got routed by Tech, by the way, today. Yeah. Uh, Tech finally uh, – taking out some of their uh, frustrations you know, frustrations on U of H uh, today. 
uh, so, Dana Holgerson. I'm, I think that job may come open, oh, may come open before Texas even gets to mm-hmm. town. Hey, Jeff Trailer, take that job if they offer it to you. Take it, brother. Don't, <laughs> don't pass it up. I know you, you like San Antonio, but H Town's got a lot more talent, and you would kill it there. You'd mash it. All right. Hey, this one's a, a good a good comment. And we were talking about consistency, Rod. UT versus Baylor, 500 yards. UT versus Kansas, 661 total yards today. Consistency yeah. on offense is starting to show up as your quarterback gets better. I, I mean, agree. Look, it, the game, I don't, I'm not saying the game is slow yet for Quinn Ewers. It looked like the game has slowed down for him the last two weeks, though. You agree with that? It does. And I'll say it helps having a run game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it just opens up the playbook, right? The playbook is wide open when you actually can run the football effectively. And they've been able to run the football effectively the last two weeks. I think you're, I think you hit the nail on the head. You're right. Quinn is, and you know, this is what are we talking about? His 15th, 16th start somewhere around there now for yep. Quinn. He should be now starting to get into a groove as a quarterback. Now he's started enough games in this system, knows the personnel, they know he's a leader. There should be a comfort level now. And maybe we're starting to see that comfort level from Quinn. There's also the offensive line asserting itself as the, the person in the chat just mentioned. And and Jonathan Brooks deciding, hey, it's my damn job. All right. You know what? It's my job. I need to, if I need to earn it every week, I'll earn it every week. And I like his attitude. So there's a lot happening right now that I think is helping Quinn Ewers really start to ascend and play at a higher level. Um, the, the JT Sanders thing is. It's troublesome. I think he's going to be okay, but you know he's 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 our matchup nightmare. Sark hunts mismatches with this guy, you know, uh, down to down. That's why he moves him around so much. And I'm sure he's going to be available in Oklahoma game. But if he's not as effective because of injury of some kind, that'll be interesting to see what Sark does in terms of uh, supplementing that productivity. Because he's in the passing game, it's him and X Men. That's those are, those are your two guys in the passing game, man. It's Either it's X-Man and then him or him then X-Man, depending on how you look at it. I, I think it's been good. Hey, I want to say this is the Inside Texas on Texas Football postgame show uh, brought to you by the folks at Flight, uh, the next generation of light beer uh, with Yingling. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton alongside Rod Babers, former Longhorn, former NFL player, and uh, currently a host on the Horn FM in Austin uh, as well. He does the, the morning show. We appreciate uh, him being on on part of on Texas, a key part of on Texas football. Uh, Rod, uh, this one is a question from Stephen Schrader. Uh, we've really reduced all the teams we've played to having to depend on big plays to score. Yeah. <clears throat> Not too sure that's the formula you want to depend on to beat this Texas defense. He's got a good point. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, we mentioned something similar earlier that you know there. Uh, they, they haven't been a perfect defense or impenetrable by any, you know, stretch of the imagination, but they've been so solid and they've been so consistent that, you know, for Bama, Bama had deep balls targeting bunch formations. That was their one thing that worked. They did it twice and they scored twice out of it. Um, with Wyoming, they targeted, uh, they had that one big play, but then they targeted the safeties in the passing game a little bit for uh, actually for Kansas. It was the option game right option worked a little bit the deep ball in the Baylor game they show they're a little susceptible to deep ball and even in this game some of that so there are there are a few things maybe you can attack Ryan Watts there are a few things on the checklist but 
they aren't necessarily systemic issues. We're being nitpicking. We're, we're, like I said, even if you do try to attack those things, you're only finding very selective examples of it, not a trend, not a pattern. You know what I mean? That's what you look for if you're an analyst. You look for a trend, a pattern, like we can attack this. They've given this up in almost every game. Three out of the four games, they've allowed this. That hasn't happened with Texas. They've just here and there and now, and they've given up that big play. I think that's just, you know, natural as a defense. You're going to give up some of that because they rotate so many guys, too. I think they rotated less guys. You probably have fewer of those big plays. I would love to go back and see if we track those big plays they've allowed and see how many of them were given up by guys they pretty much secondary in their rotation of players. They give up a lot of those plays too, but and they give them up early in games too, which means they adjust, which I really like about the Texas defense. Yeah, I, I think there's just so many things to like about the Texas defense right now, Rod. Like this stat right here from William Jones, Kansas, 0 of 8 on third down. That's amazing. I do think that that, among all the stats from today, was most predictable given the the change at quarterback. Yep. Because that's your guy. You called him uh, in the uh, watch watch with us uh, during the game. Jalen Daniels was a force multiplier. Yep. Because he, get, he kept you on the field longer. He found ways out of trouble more quickly. That sort of thing. So that did absolutely affect uh, the Jayhawks today. Yeah. They played the same, and Texas can play a safer game against that Kansas team. You didn't have to take as many chances. You knew, hey, let's run the ball. Even if we're not scoring touchdowns in the red zone against this Kansas team, it's okay. Against a Jalen Daniels quarterback led team, maybe those red zone, uh, you know, field goals will get us in trouble. Against this team, we're, we'll be perfectly fine. And by the way, that's good coaching. You got you to know when to hold him and know when to fold him. That's a good game plan. Got it. All right, uh, Rod Babers, uh, Bobby Burton here with the post game show brought to you by Flight, uh, the next generation of light beer uh, from the folks at Yingling. Uh, Rod, I think we're going to sum it up here. Uh, first of all, it is currently 723 and OU sucks. Damn right. Texas, Texas is 5 and 0 <laughs> and will be ranked in the top five yet again this week. It sets up for a big, big clash in Dallas. Uh, Texas dominated this game on the ground today. Quinn Ewers was sharp. Uh, the Texas defense, uh, after getting gashed early in the option game, came back, uh, figured that out, got a big play over the top in the third quarter. But other than that, they were solid. They got after it. I think it was a team win today, Rod. Uh, mm -hmm. And those are the types of wins uh, we've said before, hey, defense travels. This offense travels, too, if they can be as consistent as they were today and last week against Baylor. You, yeah. you, you like the, the trajectory of this team right now? I love the trajectory of the run game right now. You know, that was one of the things, you know, post-Bijan and post-Rojo, that was one of my big concerns, you know, about the offensive identity and balance of this team. Are they going to be able to, you know, I, the passing game, I think we all knew it was going to be pretty lethal because they just present you with a mathematical equation you cannot solve as a defensive coordinator. You can't double X man, double JT Sanders, you know, and, and you know, and deal with all, and put eight men in the box, right? You got to deal with AD Mitchell. That's a one-on-one. -on -one. He had a great game. You got to deal with Jay Witt. That's another one-on-one. -on -one. That's, that's a hell of a, a matchup advantage for Texas too. So the run game was the only, I, I would say uncertainty for me on offense. 
And right now, the run game, you could argue, has been the strength of the offense for the last two weeks. Jonathan Brooks is now kind of the bell cow running back for Texas, but you got C.K. Baxter. You got Keelan Robinson. They played They played some 21 personnel today. Um, they played some of that 6-0 line package today, um, and we know they play a lot of one-back, two tight ends. That's confidence in Pesark that, hey, man, we can go heavy, that we can play bully ball, that we can run the football against teams, set the tone that way. Uh, that's what's most – to me, most promising about the offense. I, I already knew the passing game was going to be a, a problem for a lot of defenses. The running game, though, now being a problem, too, that's why they're putting up 500-something offensive yards uh, in a, in game in back-to-back games. That's why they're not even punting in back-to-back games because now the running game, post Bijan and post-Rojo, which I've got to admit, those were your training wheels last season. I, I, had, I had concerns and questions whether they were going to be able to replicate some of that productivity on the ground. Give it up for the offensive line. Give it up for Kyle Flood. Give it up for Sark. It's a short choice to all those involved in the running game. Running game right now looks good. It looks like it's going to be a force for Texas, and they're going to need it in that Texas OU game. That's a line of scrimmage game. Comes down to the line of scrimmage a lot of times. Go look at it. Who wins the rushing battle in that game and how often they win that game. That's one of those games you got to try to move the opposing human against their will. And Texas right now, man, they can do that really well. As good as any team in the Big 12, it seems like. And the defense is is it's traveling. It's, yeah. it's still there, Rod. They're, the, they're, they're the most consistent part of the team. That right defense yeah. is winning there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they've got an they've got an experienced defense with a good defensive coordinator that has week to week very good game plans, in my opinion. And when it doesn't go right, he adapts. Yeah. He's shown the ability to adapt the last – last. I mean, really, he did it against Bama, and then he did it the last two weeks as well. Hey, his only bad – it wasn't a bad game. How about this? His game plan versus Oklahoma in his first year was too damn effective because it ended up getting the starting quarterback, Spencer Rattler, bench, and they brought in Caleb Williams, and then he ended up winning the game for him, and they didn't have a game plan designed for that guy. It was designed so well – for the starting quarterback. So that was his only flaw in this game coming up in the Texas OU game as the defensive coordinator for Texas that, you know what, the Spencer Rattler game plan, it was too good. A little too good, PK. All right, there you go. You would have kept him in the whole game? Oh, man, you would have won that game. You would have killed him. You, you should have you let Spencer Rattler make some more plays, and that's the only downfall. So I got, I got a lot of confidence in PK in this matchup. Got it. All right. Uh, for uh, Rod, that's going to do it for this afternoon. I'll be back in the morning. Uh, Justin Wells and I have the rapid reactions that we do every Sunday morning. That'll be at around eight, eight in the morning. Then Jerry and I do the uh, grading the horns. Rod, Jerry and I join again uh, uh, hands tomorrow uh, on the Longhorn live stream Sunday night at seven o'clock. Uh, look, it's OU week. Uh, that's right, all baby. I can say uh, about this, uh, but uh, let's get it going uh, again. Texas defeats uh, a game uh, Kansas team that uh, had to play without its leading, um, uh, without its leader today. Uh, like and subscribe to our, our uh, coverage here on on Texas football, if you don't mind. We appreciate it. Uh, more than a thousand of you staying with us through this whole broadcast. Thank you very much. Also, thank you to Flight, uh, the light new light beer by Yingling, and uh, also thank you to InsideTexas.com. Remember that uh, code is OTFIT. 23. That's OTFIT23. If you want to get all the post game uh, commentary, news, notes, uh, photos from Will Gallagher, all of it in there. Uh, just $1 for two months right now. All right. For Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, guys, 
Hook them. Hook them. Oh, you. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, you sucks. Let's do it, baby. <laughs>